It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Man, I, I, I'm not even. What's up, Bengals fans? It's another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And as Frodo Baggins said at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, spoiler alert, it's done. <laughs> That's the sound of me hyperventilating into a bag after that game. What the hell was that? I, I haven't mean... felt that intensely about a Bengals game. <laughs> Since 2015, and it's not even close. Right. That felt like the playoff game. Like the heartbreak, the anticipation, the the roller coaster, the I can't believe they're doing this. The first, getting your ass kicked and embarrassed by a team that, you know, is equal to you at the very least. And then finding a way to come back, doing what no team in the NFL has done. If you watch football for anyone else, any other team... There's been 16-point deficits with four minutes to go. No one scores, gets two points, no. gets the onside kick, scores on basically what is a Hail Mary, gets yep. the gets the two-point conversion. Nobody does that. That was a one-in-99 chance, and they got it. Just only almost to completely mess it up. One-in-99.7% chance right. Right. Is, <laughs> is what the actual odds were at the time. Down 16 with three minutes to go. They needed a touchdown a two-point conversion, an onside kick recovery, another touchdown, another two-point conversion to tie the game. And this is only possible because the Dolphins kicker missed a field yeah. goal and because Randy Bullock kicked I was gonna a say, franchise record, by personal. the way, 57-yard field goal. And you're sitting there watching Randy Bullock miss a 52-yarder twice, and you're twice. thinking, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way he's kicking a 57-yarder after that. Who didn't laugh after that kick? After that series of events, who wasn't like, God, they really are tanking. 57-yarder, go kick it, Randy, after you miss two 52-yard field goals. I'm dying when I'm watching this. And then that was the difference in the game. I tweeted at the time, Randy Bullock is comedy, pure comedy. And then, you know what, though? You you do have to give the guy props. He had a great game. He kicked a perfect onside kick. Absolutely perfect. That bounce that it took, it looks like it's rolling on the ground. It has no chance. Mm-hmm. And then it kicks up in the air. It was a perfect onside kick. And then he kicks a 57 yard field goal earlier in the game. Franchise MVP. record. Good for him, man. For all yeah. the shit we give Randy Bullock. Yep. Good for Randy Bullock. And you know who else played really well today? Just to talk about a few of the positive individual performances. We finally got to see Darius Phillips play defense. I know. 
when I saw Greg Maben out there and to- they said Tony McRae is not going to come back in the game, I said, I don't care. Where's Darius Phillips? Because uh, William Jackson was getting picked on a little yep. bit by Devontae uh, Parker. Jackson was in range on a couple throws that Parker just out-muscled him and out-ball-skilled him for, maybe three of them. And then once Jackson had to leave and Phillips came in, I didn't see Parker again. No, and and he had that pick. He had a couple passes yeah. broken up. He had that hit nice on Mike Gusecki in the middle of the field in yeah. overtime to knock the ball out. Pressure Ryan Fitzpatrick that yeah. Hubbard got the sack on. Yeah, yeah. Just a great game for Darius Phillips. I mean, this is just like what we saw from Clayton Fedgelum in limited snaps last year. Mm-hmm. Except we've seen this from, from Phillips going back to the preseason. And I'm just sitting here wondering, why the hell he's is this start. guy starting? Yeah, he's got to. And he, maybe Jackson doesn't play next game. week. And maybe yeah. that gives Phillips a chance. But I think everybody came away satisfied with this game. If you wanted them to win, what a fun performance, right? What a fun, energetic range of emotion. You want to feel something watching the Bengals? We maybe felt something in three games out of 15 this year. This was definitely one of them. And, you know, so I don't care what side you fell on here, whether you wanted the loss or wanted them to win or just rooting for your team to have fun and watch and be excited and be entertained. You all, we all got something out of this. And, and even football fans, not that you're listening to this podcast about the Cincinnati Bengals, but even if you're not a Bengals fan and you're watching this game, what an entertaining fourth quarter. Randy, yeah. Andy, sorry, Andy, we've been talking about Randy Bullock a lot. Andy Dalton throws three touchdowns, 180-something yards in the fourth quarter alone. You have the, I want to say, most unlikely comeback to yeah. tie a game at the end of regulation in NFL history. I mean, we could go back and look at this, but how many teams have come back from 16 down with three minutes to go? I bet you can count on one hand in NFL history. I bet it's very, very unlikely, especially the way they played the first three quarters, right? Uh, Andy Dalton was terrible on third downs. This team could not sustain a drive. Andy Dalton in the fourth quarter was excellent. I mean, he didn't get a lot of help for some of the situations that were happening. I mean, sure, there was one series right before they scored, or a series of throws, maybe like five throws, where the defenders touched four of them on Andy Dalton, and I'm just thinking, they're not going to do it. But that's kind of how I felt before that fourth and 17 to Tyler Boyd to beat the Ravens in 2017. And Andy just found a way to make a play and make the right throw and right read every time. Then the run into the end zone on a two-point conversion when he hasn't been able to get away from pressure or break the pocket at all this year, uh, just kudos to him to, for sticking with it and really going on a high note. Because I think a lot of people wanted to. The inevitable is clear. The writing's on the wall, and we haven't even talked about the implications or the the finality of this game. But the uh, but Andy Dalton playing this game right here ups his value. It gets other teams interested. I think this is a good one for him so as we can watch him uh, have this moment, and then week 17, hopefully they can go out on a high note completely. And that's got to be the best thing about this game, right? They win this week, and we all have to go out there and hope that somehow they lose next week, or I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs game, but there's a scenario where the Patriots might rest their starters against Miami next week. We don't have to root for any of that. We don't have yep. to care about the Miami the Miami Dolphins anymore. We don't have to care about any other football team. We can just go out there next week and say, hey, let's punch the Browns in the mouth and go out on a high note. Yeah, that's right, and... I don't know how you felt, Jake. I, I wonder if everyone felt this. But, you know, with when the game was three scores at the time, I'm like, okay, this is it. We've got Joe Burrow. This They've locked up this pick. Sure, anything can happen. But, you know, the offense has been anemic for most of all year, 95% of the season. Uh, so, you know, I, you're kind of kicking back and just letting the motions go. I'm kind of thinking this is the longest fourth quarter of my life. Come on, just let the clock just roll. And then all everything transpires. And, and it wasn't until – the Dolphins 
because in overtime, a tie works in the Bengals' favor. We, I'm like, great, tie. I don't care. You know, at this point, every team's had three possessions. And it wasn't until the Dolphins are letting the clock roll that I go, okay, the kick's going to be the last play. They, they've done it. They, this is the last play. This, it, it, the kick's made or not, they've yeah. got the first pick. And, you know, that was when it finally uh, hit. Because I was waiting until the clock hit 0-0, even when there was four and a half minutes left before the comeback started. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to go on Twitter until it's official. And, you know, go ahead and celebrate when that happens. And, man, it ended up being in the next 45 minutes of just roller coaster. I was in a similar position. I, I had a tweet at halftime. The only, the, you know, I said light at the end of the tunnel. I, I had that one because that's yeah. not, that's not final. It's like, okay, we can see it. We can see we've, we've been in this darkness all season. We can see something good coming of it potentially. Right. And then I had that, that Frodo Baggins tweet ready to go. But I was like, ah, no, I better not do it early. I better not <laughs> Just do gotta it. wait. <laughs> Even though it's 99.7% chance, I'm not going to do it early. And, and then, you know, we, we got there at the end of the game, actually in overtime, I started doing the math, like pretty, like around four minutes to go when the dolphins got a first down, I was like, all right, from here, if the dolphins use the clock properly and don't have another incomplete pass, the earliest the Bengals can get the ball back at this point is like under a minute with, with no timeouts left. And then one more, one more first down, it was okay. The Bengals can't get the ball back with any amount of time left. So the worst case is, is a tie unless there's a crazy turnover or something. And mm-hmm. then I, we got to the point where they're kicking the field goal. And then I was like, all right, I hope the Bengals block the field goal. And right. they run it all the way down and end up getting pushed out of bounds at the one-yard line. And we have oh. to review it for like five minutes because that would be hilarious. Just live in this moment for as long as possible, right? <laughs> before before we down. actually turn the, the page and, and go into the next chapter because – uh, man, that's what I celebrate. I mean, I'm I plan on getting pretty drunk tonight. Eggnog, rum. What are you doing? I'm going to see Star Wars. Okay, that's good. That's a good celebration too. Get your mind off it for a while. But man, I just feel so good that they were able to accomplish something. This is this what a this is so weird. The whole season has been weird, especially once you've gotten into the tank mindset, which I think a lot of our listeners have. And just to feel this is it's almost like is this what a playoff win feels like in in the upside down. You know what you're feeling right now, Joe? After a year of tumult, after a year of anxiety and concern over this first overall pick, you feel safe. And you know who else will help you feel safe? This time at work. Not psychologically safe, but physically safe. Keep yourself safe in the workplace, on the road, in the snow, at night, whatever it is. Abco Safety is a safety distributor located in Cincinnati, and they've partnered with 3M to sponsor the Lockdown Bengals podcast for the third time this season if you're your company purchase any safety equipment at all this could be like personal reflective gear we've talked about that a few times because you're walking your dogs at night give them a call but if you are a corporate client they will beat the prices they have on their website because those are retail prices joe anything cool today yeah i'm looking at an air horn because i can celebrate with that and make a lot of noise in the house in the neighborhood and i'm sure there is a safety application if you need to get people's attention no better way than an air horn you can check out their inventory at abcosafety.com again keep in mind those are retail prices especially if you're looking to buy for your business they will establish corporate pricing if you give them a call you can reach them at 513-672-1818 mention lockdown bengals make sure they know you heard about them from us Whew, what a performance what a game what a, what an excitement what a cap off to the season final victory for the 
Bengals in this upside down season right before Christmas. What a great gift for all of us. But uh, just to recap really quick, the Bengals fall to the Dolphins 38-35 in overtime. Interesting that the Giants and Redskins also were 35-35 in the overtime. This is one in the top bottom four teams top. I'm so upside down still. All played each other, all in overtime, tied at 35 at the same time. Big implications for the next 10 years of the landscape of the NFL. And the Bengals and Washington end up winners of those two matchups. But Andy Dalton was 33 of 56, 396 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Did have a fumble. Uh, really salvaged this game, I think, in that fourth quarter, obviously. That throw to Tyler Eifert to to really tie up the game at that point. They needed a two-point conversion. But when that Hail Mary's starting and everybody for Miami is in the end zone from the, and the Bengals are starting from the 25, I'm thinking just throw it short to John Ross. Let those guys block and see if mm-hmm. you can get it in there. You know, the old Tyreek Hill thing. They let all these guys – yeah, they let them all just run into the end zone, and he goes to his old trusty in the red zone, right? And shout-out to Tyler Eifert because – you know, he's one game away from staying healthy, knock on wood. But four for 57 in a touchdown, he's been more involved lately. He's been a solid receiver. Good for him. I'm really happy for him. I'm happy for Tyler Boyd, who had nine catches, 128 yards. What an adjustment on that one deep ball on the left side where he's covered. Dalton just kind of lays it up there because it's third down. And he makes a fantastic adjustment in late hands to reach out and grab it, stay on his feet, and dive into the end zone. Yep. That's something Ross couldn't do on a couple deep balls that I think he and for whatever reason, uh, you know, when, when Dalton's throwing to Ross and Tate, they just seem to be off by a foot. But Ross can't make that adjustment like Tate can. And we saw just a, a few opportunities fall short. Although Ross did contribute two carries for six yards. He also had six catches for 84 yards. Wasn't a complete waste for him. He did help in a, in a bunch of areas. Uh, and Erickson had six for 55. So largely the running game was not there. We had learned just before the game, Joe Mixon had a stomach bug that he got on the flight on, on the way to Miami. He was not effective. 21 carries for just 50 yards. If your team was in the fantasy championship, and I was with Joe Mixon, I still pulled it out. But uh, he hurt a bunch of people with that, you know, late in the in the fantasy leagues out there. But overall, gutty performance for him because he still was out there in the fourth quarter overtime, and still they're pounding it away for two yards at a pop. It wasn't until they were down, you know, multiple scores that they abandoned the run and really got the offense going again. Except for one red zone possession in the first half, I think the one they ended up kicking that field goal from the three yep. yard line. Or they no, that's the one they ran it right? three times. But they yeah. got back down there later, and then they threw it three times. And I was thinking, why, why, why? And they were all, like, out-breaking routes, and Andy Dalton yeah. had them all batted down by corners. They were all pass breakups. Yeah, that was right at the end. That was before they scored on fourth down to uh, Boyd. Oh. So that was at the end of the game. All right. Yeah, they, these were crazy circumstances. That's They scored on fourth to Boyd, I believe, and then scored that 25-yard Hail Mary-ish yeah. throw to Eifert. Just Which insane. was a really good throw, actually. Oh, yeah. Like, all things considered, he put it on a rope. He found that Tyler Eifert had kind of set down between yep. several defenders, and he could come back to the ball, and he was going to be able to use guy. his – he was going to be able to use his ball skills. Yeah, exactly. And he did. And and that's why you 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 like Tyler Eifert. That's why we like Tyler Eifert. That's why he should be catching more than thirty seven yards for three hundred and forty five yep. yards and two touchdowns this year. Because when they right. have given him chances, he still shows that he has a lot of those same toolkits. He just doesn't quite have the speed he used to have. Right. And maybe not the explosiveness too. He's missed a couple that have just bounced mm-hmm. off his fingertips or you know they couldn't get that. I think. 
younger, springier Tyler Eifert yeah. would get up and make that a much easier grab for sure. himself. And I think he even gets frustrated with that. But in a year where I'm a year, I mean, in a career where he spent every offseason rehabbing since what 2015, yeah. uh, he's actually going to be able to build up his strength and conditioning this offseason if everything goes well. Again, knock on wood, it's Tyler Eifert, I know, but uh, man, what a you know, for him, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I mean, I think it kind of proves that the whole injury luck thing. Like, he, he hasn't gotten rolled up on this year. All of his injuries, man, they're all fluke things. And I'm sick of people talking about him being injury-prone just the same way I'm sick of people talking about A.J. Green as if he's intentionally sitting out. Quick look around the AFC North, and this is going to probably be a quick tangent, but I just want to point out that in addition to the Bengals securing that number one overall pick today, the Steelers had to bench Duck Hodges or whatever his name is, put Mason Rudolph in. Mason Rudolph got hurt, left the stadium in a sling, so it sounds like apparently they're turning to Paxton Lynch and they lost to the Jets. So uh, the Steelers playoff hopes take a hit and also the Ravens beat the Browns. So the Browns don't really have playoff hopes anyway, but I still hope the Bengals put them out of their misery next week. Yeah, the Browns are now six and nine. The Steelers still have a chance. The Raiders and the Titans lost to the Saints. Good game, though. Uh, the Raiders still have a chance. They got to win out and in. I don't want to see the Steelers in there because I just don't think they're going to compete and they're going to get run over by the Chiefs or Texans, whoever oh, yeah. they play, and just nobody wants to see that. Uh, but on defense, Jermaine Pratt, again, leads the team in tackles. I saw him a bunch, man, running around. Even though the middle of the field was picked on for the most part, I don't know if it was the receivers more than just guys were open against the scheme. I thought Fitzpatrick threw some darts, man. And, yeah. and this, contested grabs, really in the first three quarters the Bengals couldn't come down with their contested grabs and all of the Dolphins came down with theirs and I just kept thinking geez is it Fitz just making these these throws these guys are just coming down these nobodies for him outside of Parker really and Albert Wilson's okay uh but in, in comparison I just you know watching these two offenses in the first three quarters was just a stark contrast of receivers helping out the quarterback but at the same time the quarterback making yep throws where he's going to trust his guy to come down with it. And I thought Dalton was too safe on on a bunch of them. But uh, two sacks also. Sean Williams, who kept playing hard, kept staying in it. And Sam Hubbard, who seems to not be tired in the fourth quarter ever and seems to find a way to make a play uh, when they needed it here, even though, uh, you know, it didn't affect. I, I'm, I'm still talking like they won because I feel like they won. They, they, you know what, they made a valiant effort to play a heroic game and and they didn't end up winning in the in, in overtime. They couldn't get anything going in overtime. Right. Actually, they had two three and outs. I think they totaled thirteen yards. John Ross should have had that first down in overtime. Ends up running backwards a little bit to try to get around a guy, pick up some more yards, and ball was thrown behind him, slowed him down. I, but he still yeah, it doesn't help. Speedy Ross should run around that corner. We've seen him do that. Yeah, and, and what to do with John Ross, right? Like, we've talked yeah. about this before, and we saw the same frustrations with Ross. He had 13 targets, caught six of those passes today. A lot of those deep balls, like you said, not on the same page with Andy Dalton. Some of the balls, I thought, you know, if, if they are on the same page, they're catchable. But yeah. uh, particularly the one where, what was it? He John Ross was kind of running a post, and the throw went to the corner instead. Yeah, yeah, that was one. I thought two of the vertical balls... And I think James Lofton did a great job. Now, as a guy who knows how to play receiver and has coach receivers, and when he was uh, talking about it, that uh, yeah. Ross was – and this is an issue why you don't see Ross running at like 4-2-2, and you see this a lot and on some of his other routes too, is he doesn't trust his hands. Obviously, we know this, right? So when you're catching balls over your shoulder as a receiver – 
If you turn your shoulders to look back completely instead of just pivoting your neck and looking back at the ball, you're going to slow down instantly. And some some of these deep balls look like they're out of um, Ross's range, but they're not. They should be falling right into his chest, but he's making it actually harder and making the throw look a little bit worse because he's turning backwards to try and track the ball and, and, and get a clearer picture of it. Uh, just more just, you know, consistency, confidence issues from Ross that seem to just – Limit his upside because he was open. He was open. Uh, if he got 13 targets, 10 of them he's wide open. And I feel like it, the other four that they didn't connect on on those, it's just like, man, so close on that. that he could have had a monster game and changed the first half of the, of the score. And what happened to him, right? Because he didn't have these issues coming out of Washington. He didn't right. have the hands issues, the ball tracking issues. None of this right. showed up. And, and suddenly comes to Cincinnati and gets doghoused his first year by a head coach who never wanted him. And and now this is what you get. He yeah. he's perhaps just ruined. And and the Bengals have to figure out this year if that's actually the case. Because as we talked about last week, big decision on the fifth year option for John Ross. But I, I don't know which way to go with that at this I point. Know. I know because I still want if he's because he's going to play for the next ten years, right? We see these fast guys yeah. that can score in any play. They will get jobs. They will contribute to an offense somewhere in the league. They're you, all over. Mike. And they, they typically take three, four, five years sometimes to actually hit their peak. Yeah. I mean, John Brown, right? Right. Uh, Marquise Goodwin for the 49ers. Yeah. He's not playing right now. But there's plenty. You look at Ted Ginn's numbers and why Ted he bounced Ginn. around to six different teams. Yeah. Uh, these guys are all very similar, and they all contribute for a long time in the NFL. They usually take a while. I like, wonder if that's the case with Ross. If Ross is a little bit – or sorry, if, if Drew Brees is a little bit younger, you can imagine the Saints being hyper-aggressive to go get John Ross in free oh, agency, sure. put him out there with Michael Thomas, and be like, okay, right. try to stop these guys. I mean, Ted Ginn is, is – some, but, but John Ross – Instead of Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn, 10 years younger, however much younger he is. It's probably that. Um, one other note that I wanted to mention, how the offensive line, full rotation over there, huh? I mean, we've got to see Fred Johnson Fred play Johnson. I was like, oh, they're tanking. This is another tank sign as the game's going on. I'm like, oh, they're letting you know uh, tank, uh, Fred Johnson go out there. I was called him Tank Johnson, remember him? Yeah. And they're they're pulling Billy Price, putting John Jerry well, in there. That's because Billy Price sucked. That's, what's up with the mental errors of Billy Price? We almost got the same conversation with Price as we do with Ross. Can't stay healthy, and the mental just repetition stuff. I'm, I just you got to be getting just as frustrated. He, he had, and it was mental. It's totally mental. Two pressures he gave up in the first quarter where he just didn't. He, right. he looked like guy. he didn't know what his job was supposed to be. He's trying to hand the guy off and get slide down to the right, and and on the first one, and instead the guy. The defensive tackle just goes straight by him, and and yeah. Hopkins is, is engaged. He has no chance to to transition to him. So it looks like Billy Price just doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing out there. And so he I thought they, I thought they punitively pulled him. I thought that too when he, I first saw, and then they kept rotating. They they did, I, I, but maybe the plan wasn't to rotate at right guard, right? Because at left tackle it makes sense. Let's see what we have in Fred Johnson. Corey Glenn might not be back next year. At right guard, you're not bringing John Jerry back. That's got to right. be punitive on Price, like, because because as we could tell, the Bengals are trying to win the game, right? Because this is this is something I, I kind of was like, come on, Zach Taylor, last week, just let the game end, take your right. timeouts. You're 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 not going to come back. There's no chance. What are you doing? And then this week, same situation, except, well, he did have a chance, right? So they, they that's the way they scratching coach. and clawing. Yeah, Credit. went went yeah. for two, three times after not doing yep. it all season. Yep. 
and you know going needing to go for it on fourth downs, which they did. And uh, the Tyler Boyd long touchdown was a fourth down play. Uh, you know they yeah. made a lot of clutch plays today, uh, and they seemed excited on the sideline. I mean all that stuff, all the things you for people that want to win to carry over into the season. This counts. I mean I think this. For a lot of players, will go and, and and even the coaching staff and the team will look at it and say, you know, we put up 35 points, which they haven't done all year. Uh, we were able to throw it. All of our guys are getting open. We could have put up even more points. And Randy Bullock hit a 57 yarder. <laughs> I mean, from all the confidence things of unexpected players, uh, for him to do that. CJ Ozama scores his first touchdown of the year. So shout out to him. Also, you know, there was just a lot of things. Uh, Mixon's getting close to a thousand. Should break it next next week. Uh, Tyler Boyd's on the cusp of a thousand, just needs a handful of yards, and he should get that next week. Just some good milestones going in into that final game of 2019. And hopefully we get a full game of Darius Phillips because there's nothing I want more than for Darius Phillips to be the next Bengals starting outside corner. And also, quick shout out, Stanley Morgan. Yeah. On that onside kick, sells out, gets hurt, is the reason they recovered the onside kick, which in the moment was terrible, but from an individual Great. performance perspective, he continues to be that special teams ace I've talked about all year. He hasn't been as good on punt coverage since his first few weeks out there, but he's still he's still out there making plays. He missed two tackles on punt today, but he was down there way before anyone. Like, if you watch him as a gunner, he's just fun. He, he yeah. beats his guy, and he flies. Down. I don't think he – that's got to be the fact – we should have made him run his 40 in his, on his pads on a gunning position because uh, he looks extremely fast doing that. Um, but yeah, he was hurt. I hope he's all right because, uh, he seems like a, a positive contributor, at least in that's that point. And they're bringing him in as a blocker a lot as, as a receiver. I think it's almost starting to get too known for the defense when he comes in because I notice it. Uh, but overall, I mean, at least he's got a, a niche with this, with this team right now. So we're on the clock, Joe. That's right. And mission God accomplished, willing, right? Yes. Certainly that, a reason to be excited, and it's done, right? We don't have to deal with this terrible season anymore. Nothing really matters from right. here on out. We can fully go into off-season mode and say, okay, let's talk about fixing the future, and that's where we're going to be as Bengals fans for for a while here. And the, the future in the AFC North could be really interesting, and I hope mm-hmm. it's Burrow because then you have those three Heisman winners. Right. And that can be fun. Yeah, I mean, the, the prize is Burrow for us at this point. Uh, I'd say it's, you know, people ask me, is is there any way the Bengals mess this up? You can see headlines of anonymous scouts. There's no way even the Bengals would mess this up. Uh, they'll take Joe Burrow. And I think ultimately it'll come down and they'll take Joe Burrow. But I, I do think we'll circle the wagons and figure out, you know, what everyone else is. And you have to do your due diligence due diligence you're going to look at justin herbert and people are going to say why are they bringing him in for a visit and freak out don't i i think you know again let's we're going to go through the motions they're going to bring in tua for a visit or bring in chase young for a visit all of these things will happen you're going to bring in the top guys remember the bengals when they drafted carson palmer brought in terrence newman andre johnson charles rogers and uh terrell suggs and all those guys pretty much had great careers besides charles rogers rest in peace just recently but uh Point being is they're going to look at everyone as a top five pick. That should be a top five pick, and they'll go from there. And I think ultimately it'll be Joe Burrow, but at least it'll give us something to talk about over the next handful of months here. And another thing, losing this not only secures that number one pick, it likely secures the Bengals as one of the coaching staffs for the Senior Bowl. Yes, you look at their history. Time. Yeah. Are you and going you look- to the Senior Bowl 
Spoiler alert, yes, Joe is. Or are you going to go to the draft? I applied for credentials for the Senior Bowl. I think you should do both. Yeah, you. we're going to pull my GoFundMe, and we'll see how many um, listeners want to help pay for Vegas trip. You're, you just earned yourself like a $700 plane ticket to Vegas. Good job. You think, you think that's what people would do? That's right all there? it takes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, but the Senior Bowl should be fun, especially if the quarterbacks that are there, if Herbert's there, if, if Joe Burrow's there. I mean, it, it could be a good way to get your hands on these guys and, and see them. Jordan Love has been invited also. Uh, Carson Palmer uh, contributed or played in the Senior Bowl. I, I only know this because I have a, a scattering report or at least a, a review, look back scattering report of Carson Palmer from 2002 to 2003 before he came out uh, coming on The Athletic, I think, on Monday. Maybe we need a new segment on this podcast called Don't Read the Facebook Comments because I read a Facebook comment talking about how Carson Palmer had, you know, a, it was such a better track record than Joe Burrow. And nope. Joe Burrow's this one-year wonder. And I typed up my paragraph apply saying Carson Palmer was garbage for his first three seasons at USC, had more yep. interceptions and touchdowns. And it equal. It equal. He was 16 and 16 as a starter. He had 39 and 39 for touchdowns and interceptions, and he was completing 57% of his passes yeah, before senior year. Not good. And then I just, just did all my research. Uh, you know one other thing, too? One more point, Jake, because it's on the tip of my tongue. Now people say uh, hired Joe Brady. People were crediting Norm Chow with Carson Palmer's senior year development. Oh, he's only good because of Norm Chow's offense. Yeah. And and the Joe Brady thing probably isn't happening, guys. Like there there is pretty unprecedented to bring a college coach with a college quarterback. That would yes. be very, very weird. Very. I think you just need to be you, you have smart guys in the room. You have to be smart enough to cater your offense to Joe Burrow's strengths, but we have months to talk mm-hmm. about that. I just wanted to say that Carson Palmer is a six week wonder in college. Yes, he was. That's you I go back and too. you read Chris Mortensen's report from 2003. You sent it to me earlier this week. Yeah. I mean, he's he, there's a scout that says, is six weeks enough? Meanwhile, Joe Burrow, at least he's he's done it for, what, 13 weeks this season? Or 12 weeks this season? 15 weeks, probably. He'll, yeah, he'll get a full season. Plus, toward the end of last season, he was pretty good, too. Right. Final four weeks were really good. I actually, when I first was talking Burrow in, like, October – I said, well, he wasn't very good last year. And it's because I didn't watch his games in chronological order. I kind of watched them, whatever ones were available from 2018. And I thought, yeah, I can see the flashes of what he became, but it was just so much mixed in between. And when someone said, no, his final four were great. I said, oh, let me go look at the schedule and watch him in order. And he does make progress. A really uh, uh, a nice launching point to where he ended up this season. Last point on that is, Great coordinators don't make average players into great players. They just make great players into even better players. And I think that's what we're looking at with Burrow and Brady. I think everyone should be – I think everyone is excited. There's still the small percentage. If I put a poll out, and maybe I will tonight on Twitter just to see, gauge people and see how they're feeling because the last time we did it was about a month ago, and it was 80-20 for Burrow over Young. Um, I wonder what people feel and what they, what they think today. Oh, also the fun thing, Jake, and we'll be able to do this, is we're now watching this – these – NCAA playoffs much closer and harder not that we weren't but I mean that's our guy playing now it is so I hope he balls out you know throw 17 touchdowns in the first half and then get out of the game and then come play in Cincinnati quick trivia question for you Joe 
Okay. Who do you think has the highest strength of victory in the NFL this year? What does that mean? So it's the strength of schedule, but only for the games you've won. Okay. Um, I have no idea. It's the Atlanta Falcons. The They've beaten good teams. Huh? And nine Atlanta Falcons have a strength of victory of 5-17. They beat San Francisco and they beat uh-huh. uh, New Orleans once. Yeah. They're the only team in the NFL with a strength of victory over 500. That's pretty impressive for a team that at one point we thought they're the ones that are com- going to compete with the Bengals for the number one pick. Remember that? I did, and then Matt Ryan came back. And, and then Matt Ryan good. came back, yeah. And so uh, Julio took over a few games. The The only other team that's close to 500 is, is Kansas City at 493. I think if they beat the Bears, the Bears are at 500. They won't get over 500 today, so... Uh, pretty interesting that that no teams in the NFL with a winning record have a have a strength of victory of over five hundred. That's right. And current top five now, as it sits, because of how everything transpired, Bengals number one locked into that. Washington lost to the Giants, so they are number two as of now. But it could change with next week. The Detroit Lions all of a sudden jump mm-hmm. up with the victories for the Miami Dolphins and the Giants, so they are number three with a half game lead on the Giants and Dolphins who follow at four and five. Yeah. Crazy finish to the season for the draft order. Crazy games today in the draft order for those of us watching. But the Bengals lost. They have won that first number one pick. First number one overall. Just going to keep saying it wrong. But pick it first. We did it. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This holiday week, we will not be putting out five episodes. So you'll get today. And you'll get something later this week, but nothing for the next few days. Have a great Christmas, a great Hanukkah, a great holiday season, generally speaking. And we'll get something out later this week before the Week 17 game in Cincinnati against the Browns. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.